Here's Johnny. I'll be back. And you will know my name is the Lord. I'm walking here. I'm walking here. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. Groovy. Welcome to Box Office Pulp. I'm Mike, here by my lonesome once again for another itty bitty bop. This time, I have watched The Well by director Federico Zampaglione, starring Lauren Levera, everyone's favorite final girl from Terrifier 2, once again taking the horror world by storm. And I, th- I think this got uh, mostly on people's radar from Levera being in it. Uh, I know I didn't hear about it until just uh, maybe about a month ago. So I was super excited when this uh, kind of came across my desk and immediately sat down and watched it. Fun little fact. So, well, I don't know if it's actually fun. Fun's like a water slide. This is just me telling you something that happened to me briefly. So I was woken up by animals, um, animals I own, I should say. They're not like wild animals that broke into my house. And I was like skedaddled by a raccoon. I was woken up super early after only like four hours of sleep, so I was going to watch this today, but I decided like, well, I'm awake, so I'll just start watching this. So I watched it about an hour and a half long. I got about an hour in and was realizing, okay, I'm, I'm actually kind of getting falling asleep, not because of the movie, because of complete, late la- complete lack of sleep. So I paused it and because I, I wanted, I was into it and I didn't want to like get droopy brained and stop paying attention. So I leaned back to take a quick nap, and I had nothing but Euro horror nightmares the entire time, like really gnarly ones, like melted skin and stuff. It was awesome. I I am forever in this movie's debt for gifting me that. So thank you. Thank you, The Well. You did good. As yeah, this is super up the ass Euro horror in like the best way. It is incredibly... Fulci-esque, um, Umberto Lenzi, especially. And not in like a throwback where everything's kind of grainy and it's shot like it's the 70s. It just, even though there is a lot of framing that's similar to it because that's just the natural language in regards to horror films of that culture and of that ilk. It, it's not a throwback. It's just, that's the feeling of it. That's the DNA. It's, it's, it's in that chromosome of horror as all of those films. And to that end, I had no idea, though, makes all the sense in the world, that Lauren Levera has the most perfect Euro horror eyes. I, I have such like such fondness for uh, like super close-ups of actresses in all those old horror, uh, Italian horror films. The close-up of their eyes, unblinking, like selling all the fear in that expression, like, you know, deer in headlight stuff. You know, Euro horror was so great at that. And she nails it. Um, she's great in the entire movie, playing a completely different type, um, different age, really showing her range uh, here super early on in her career, which is great. Um, I'm hoping then people kind of latch onto this and then she can kind of keep getting more and more, especially after Terrifier 3 comes not soon enough. But yeah, um, just to give you a quick log line, so that way you know what the fuck I'm talking about with this movie. When novice art restorer Lisa Gray goes to a small Italian village to bring a medieval painting back to its former glory after fire damage, little does she know she is placing her life in danger from an evil curse and a monster born of myth and brutal pain. Also a pretty dope poster if you ever want to look that up. But um, yeah, so that 
So outside of like being drawn to see it because like, hey, Italian whore, I dig that. Hey, Lauren Levera, she's cool. I didn't know if that was just going to be the only thing that was going to keep my interest. Just the tone of Italian horror and really liking the lead actress. But that whole like concept of you as you slowly uncover this painting, there's a unfurling of supernatural events, just disturbing behavior happening around you, like visions and things just start going a little bit haywire and a little bit weird. Um, almost like the paintings making you ill, and like I loved that. And the and while you're doing that, you're having like this B plot of that has that allows you to take it slow with the A plot because then you're cutting to this B plot that is also kind of unfurling, and you're learning a little bit more, and it's getting more strange and you know, Lovecraftian or honestly uh, Fulci again, you know, something like the Gates of Hell trilogy. That kind of like butting butting up against something that's beyond the other side, and you're you're a little bit unfurling there, and what exactly is happening? But it's tinged with all of like this really brutal, gnarly violence. Um, somebody has like the, the 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 skin of their face like peeled off, and like one rip, like Saran wrap. Fucking cool. But if I if I were to label any any criticisms, I would actually like to have seen more of that, like more not of the gore, but uh, well. Yes, but that has nothing to do with anything. But more of like that 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 foreboding that's building the more and more this painting's uncovered. You know, it feels like this is a co- complaint, and a lot of my compl- like only complaints for the movie actually wouldn't exist if I didn't like the film. Um, if you ever you know really enjoyed a movie, but it's like ah, oh, if it did a little bit more in this direction and a little bit more here, it would have lived up entirely. Instead of just being good, it would have done more than just brush up against what it could have achieved. And I feel a little bit like that uh, with this, where a little bit more to the main character's arc and story and how it relates and how we kind of arrive at a certain ending. Which I, which that I, th- there is an aspect of the ending I didn't really care for, even though it is interesting. But I feel like it could have worked with more extrapolation early on. But particularly, I just want to focus on more of that unnerving strangeness, that unnerving high strangeness as she slowly uncovers this painting. You start seeing more and more of it and you get a little bit of details and it starts to explain some sort of story. In fact, I think we even got felt like we got our backstory for the painting a little bit too soon. Um, Comes up. you know, it doesn't come at a little bit over the halfway point of the film, but I feel like that could have actually been held off for a little bit longer. I feel like the, the film itself could have stood to be a little bit longer and have a little bit more breadth to it, a little bit more mystery and, and oddness and more playing around with these visions that you don't know. Are they visions? Are they apparitions? Are they dreams? Are they some combination of reality and dream? And I, I just ate that shit up. So I would have really loved to have seen more of that and for it to like really hit that hard because I really dug it. Um, I dug the entire movie in general, honestly. Um, performances were all great. I was really taken with how good uh, Zampaglione's daughter, Linda, was. Young actress, but the performance she puts on has so much connotation and emotion to it. Like what I, one of the things I liked was you don't, like all good like Italian horror, the 
minutia of backstory and point A, point B, point C, like details aren't really that important. Like it's what the, what is the character feeling? That's, that's what's important. That's like, that's what their mode of storytelling is. Where in the West, we're, we're very detail oriented with that. So we have to get emotion through details very often. And this goes, we don't need to show you more than like where this painting comes from. And like that little piece of backstory, that's enough explanation. What matters is what this character is going through and has gone through on an emotional level and what catharsis they're trying to reach. Even though there is maybe a little bit of like a a logic hole, I guess you could say with, um, something in regards to that, but that's getting into spoiler territory. But she sells that so fucking well um, and really makes for a beautiful part of like the finale of the film. But overall, uh, the the movie just had its North American premiere at ScreamFest on the 12th. Um, I don't know when it's going to be hitting VOD or anything yet. Um, I don't think there's any kind of like dates secured uh, for that stuff yet. So just go ahead and keep your eyes out for the well. It's... Um, just a really good entry into Euro horror shows more of what uh, Lauren Levera can do. And hopefully this is just salvo number two for a big, long horror career that she has. So per usual, if you like this podcast, you can of course find it at boxofficepulp.com. All the places you find, listen and enjoy fine podcasts, such as this one. If you find this one to be fine anyway, uh, if you can rate and review us on any of those platforms, that'd be great. You can, of course, find us at Box Office Pulp or Box Office Pulp Podcasts and all the usual social media bullshits. I'm at Lucky Deck Napier and all the usual social media bullshits. And now, if you excuse me, I think I'm going to actually go and rewatch Castle Freak. Because this got me in a real Castle Freak kind of mood. I'm not sure if I should admit that publicly, but you you, you know me by now. You expect it of me. Anyway. I'm getting the hell out of here. This is Box Office Pulp Guy, and this has been a Pulp Podcast production. Now please, 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 put a gun in my mouth and pull the trigger and say goodnight. And now, on with the show.